Welcome to the Hindsight Decision Makers Podcast. Here we dive into what's on the minds of the women and men who make the state of New Hampshire tick. And here is your host, Patrick Hines of Hines Communications. Welcome to this bonus episode of the Hindsight Decision Maker Podcast. You know, normally I have a guest with me and I let that person do most of the talking. This is a different episode. It's really just a companion to my union leader column this Sunday, which was titled The Twin Threats to the New Hampshire Advantage. It regards basically three issues. The the passing of newly elected Speaker Dick Hinch, disunity in the Republican ranks in the New Hampshire House of Representatives, and the big, big challenges facing the Granite State. I want to expand on some of those themes and then make a special appeal to listeners of this podcast. All right, let's get started with uh, Dick Hinch. House Speaker Richard Dick Hinch died at 71 years old on December 9th of COVID-19 or complications resulting from COVID-19. Dick Hinch was born in Marblehead, Massachusetts in 1949, the son of the late Fred and Helen Hinch. He was educated in Marblehead and then at Salem State University. He served in a variety of different roles at at the municipal government level in the town of Merrimack. And then he was elected to the New Hampshire State House of Representatives. And as Kevin Landrigan writes in the New Hampshire Sunday News this Sunday, with each succeeding term, Hinch's portfolio grew from committee chairman to majority leader to minority leader, and then 11 days ago to Speaker of the House. Now he is gone. Uh, Dick Hinch really was a unique uh, figure in New Hampshire in the sense that he was a genuine conservative and also someone who could build coalitions and build consensus among people of different point of view. That's a really important skill in a 400-seat House of Representatives. I knew uh, Dick Hinch a little. Not great. We'd worked on a few things together. Uh, we were actually in talks to have him on this podcast. <clears throat> we weren't especially close, but I do believe that he would have made a fantastic speaker. As I said in my column, Hinch was seen as one of the few leaders with the talent and temperament to hold this schismatic GOP together. The death of this veritable embodiment of Republican unity could have dire political consequences in the Granite State. That's because there's a tremendous amount of disunity uh, in the New Hampshire Republican Party. Uh, and maybe not tremendous. Maybe there's a vocal minority, but they are not inconsequential. Um, in the last four weeks, they have protested at the governor's house. They've threatened to impeach him over a mask mandate and his use of his lawful use of emergency powers. Uh, they are, were fighting over um, whether or not uh, they should wear masks or even have live um, sessions uh, or do the sessions over Zoom. Now, let's be clear that those differences of opinion in the New Hampshire House, you know, they're not petty. 
there are a lot of conservative Republicans who believe that by their very nature, a lot of these broad public health measures are a threat to our liberty. Uh, people can disagree with them, but they have a genuine argument about a lot of this stuff. And it's always, always a slippery slope whenever you look at this kind of thing. If they can make us shut down our businesses, if they can make us wear masks, what else can they make us do or not do? That's an important question. And I, I think we always want to have people at the table who are willing to ask those questions. On the flip side, I don't question the commitment that a lot of elected officials, many of them Republicans, uh, put forward in terms of protecting the public's health. I don't think that any of the measures that our state government in the state of New Hampshire down in Concord have taken have been uh, dangerous to our individual liberties. Uh, we haven't seen the same kind of thing here that we've seen in states like New York and California and Michigan. We've seen some – it's definitely affected our lives. no question about that. But the real question is, has it really damaged us as a people, as a, as a state? And I'm not sure that it has, but it's, it's a conversation worth having. And I, so I don't view the differences between uh, t these two camps in the Republican Party as being petty. I think it's an important debate to have. My real problem with these divisions is that I think that they have the potential to really distract Republican leadership when it is trying to deal with some of the major issues that we're confronting as a state. And make no mistake, we're doing better than a lot of our neighbors. We're certainly doing better than most of the states out there. But we have some significant problems. State revenues are down. Homelessness is up, or at least it's more prominent, more prevalent in our face. Cities and towns are struggling. Hospitals are struggling. Businesses are struggling, especially restaurants. These restaurateurs, they operate on a razor-thin margin as it is, and now they can't serve a full, uh, a full room of, of customers. Um, Congress is still bickering over relief efforts. Teachers are having a hard time. Students are having a nightmarish time. Parents of those teachers have no idea what to do next. It will take a special kind of leadership to address all these challenges. And when we're addressing them, we still have to adhere to the principles that led us to this New Hampshire advantage that I talk about in my column. Here's what I wrote. <clears throat> the New Hampshire advantage is always and forever in peril. The pressure to follow some other far less successful state down the path of higher taxes and more regulation is constant. And there are those who aim to make New Hampshire just another New England state, just another Northeast state, and they seek every opportunity to exploit Republican division. You know, in November... Voters punish state Democrats over the party's cocktail of tax increases and especially the income tax scheme that they came up with. Yet within days of their defeat, which ought to have been humbling to them, Democrats in Concord ramped up their message machine again with op-eds falsely claiming Republican tax cuts choked off state revenues. 
Now, obviously, it wasn't Republican tax cuts that choked off state revenues. It was COVID-19 that choked off state revenues. Uh, in fact, business taxes are – the BET and the BPT are performing ahead of schedule despite the fact that uh, businesses have had to make serious adjustments. Part of that, by the way, is the governor's prudent decision to reopen the economy late last spring. And now there's another threat to the New Hampshire advantage, and that is this deadly virus, this COVID-19, which has upended our personal, professional, and family lives. And it's on this matter that divisions are most bitter, even among like-minded people. And the point of my column is that it's going to take really special leadership to overcome these divisions so that we do not fall behind and allow the New Hampshire advantage to just fall by the wayside. We don't want to become another Northeast state. They're not doing well. They're constantly struggling uh, to raise new taxes, increase old taxes, come up with new regulations, Get rid of some old regulations because they no longer apply. Constantly working on these things when in all reality, what people want, and this is never more true than in the, the – nowhere more true than in the Granite State. What people want from their government is competent leadership. They're looking for a state government that does a small number of essential things exceptionally well, and then they're looking for – civic organizations and churches and communities and individuals and businesses and everybody else to sort of do their part to pick it up from there. And that's what we could lose if Republicans continue to fight about these these issues and allow division to usher in uh, a whole new wave of problematic legislation that will result in higher taxes, more regulations, fewer personal freedoms, greater government encroachment in our, in our communities and in our private lives, things that we don't want in New Hampshire. If you like those things, there's all kinds of other states that you can move to to enjoy that. As I said as I, in the close of my column, the idea of the New Hampshire advantage is always and forever in peril. And it is never more so than when Republican disunity keeps Republicans from protecting it. So in my it's my hope that Republicans will come together uh, before January 6th to decide their next speaker of the House um, to take them into the next session. That is the deadline, January 6th. Again, I refer to Kevin Landrigan's column in the New Hampshire Sunday News. He looks at some of the potential candidates whose names have kind of floated out there. Obviously, Representative uh, Sherm Packard from Londonderry has taken over the reins as acting speaker. Uh, Representative Kimberly Rice from Hudson um, is busy combating COVID-19 herself. 
Uh, so probably not really thinking about a potential run for speaker at the moment. We wish her well and we hope she gets better. Uh, but she's a name that has, uh, been floated out there. Jason Osborne, the new majority leader, he's from Auburn. Um, seems to have the respect of a lot of his colleagues. The question is whether or not his real job will keep him from run, keep it, will keep him from running the House of Representatives as speaker. And that's a decision he's going to have to make. Seems like a personal decision, but certainly a popular, uh, candidate. And, uh, Kevin also mentions Timothy Lang from Sanberton and, of course, Al Baldessero for also from Londonderry. Al, a lot of people in the national scene know Al, uh, because he's been so close to President Trump. Um, Al briefly ran for speaker, but, uh, chose not to. Uh, when um, Dick Hinch put his name in the in the ring, uh, or put his hat in the ring, excuse me. <clears throat> so uh, I'm sure other names are going to are going to crop up. Uh, there's a there's a lot of people who are going to look at it. Uh, my hope is that it's uh, amicable, that there's no nastiness uh, as these folks seek this position because that's the last thing we need. Um, so that's uh, that's where we are in New Hampshire in terms of our state legislature. We have new drama. We had this smooth transition with Senate President Chuck Morris and Speaker Dick Hinch. Not so much right now. <clears throat> so looking forward to see how they resolve that. I have one last thing to ask listeners of this podcast, and uh, thank you for listening uh, as long as you have. We are now on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, on Amazon, and Spotify, and Pandora. If you use these platforms to listen to podcasts, especially Apple, I'd like you to go on there and give a five-star review and give this podcast a, subs a subscribe. The reason uh, I, I want that is because it helps the podcast out a lot. And if you like deep dives into policy issues in New Hampshire and you like to talk to decision makers or hear what decision makers have to say about the big issues in the Granite State – that's what this podcast is for. So I hope you'll help us out. And I really appreciate you listening. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Decision Makers. If you care about the issues driving conversation in New Hampshire, and you enjoyed this episode, please share this with your friends on social media. And sign up at HeinzCommunications.com to receive notice of new episodes. Until next time, I'm Patrick Hines. Thank you.